art on your sleeve. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Art On Your Sleeve podcast. It's great to be back and with such a special show as well. In this episode, I speak with Andy McCluskey of OMD about the connections between art and design and how this applies to their record sleeves over the last 40, more than 40 years. Uh, It felt like a good time to do this as well as OMD have a new album about to be released, Bauhaus Staircase, which we finished the conversation talking about and there's tours and just a lot of media activity for the band so it's a good way of promoting them and also promoting the podcast which has been very quiet I'm sure you've noticed so I'll just go straight into it thanks again for listening and if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around the podcast I would suggest that you join the Facebook group just look for art on your sleeve and you'll find us where I share a lot of additional information and images and draft designs if I can get hold of them in that space. So enjoy the show and thanks very much to Andy for agreeing to do this. You might also want to check out my website at softoctopus.co.uk for a bit of additional information about OMD, including links to all their social media and some images and just a general bit of information about the podcast. the very beginning you started off designing the stuff for OMD you designed your own posters and I remember there was the thing at Museum of Liverpool the print that you did for electricity and almost that was your own artwork wasn't it it was um I had a background in art I was supposed to go and do a fine art degree at Leeds um I took a gap year I subsequently found out that had I gone to Leeds, I would have been there with Green Gartside from Scritti Politi and Dave Ball and Mark Harmon from Soft Cell, which would have been wow. an interesting collection. Illustrious company. Yeah. Um, but I didn't go. Uh, met Peter Saville in, uh, I can't remember, it was the, the late, late 78 or early 79. And obviously he just finished a degree. And I just realized instantly that he was, um, he was on another level to me. And, um, he created uh, the electricity sleeve with the famous Braille black-on-black thermographed, and um, that was the beginning of a, of a wonderful relationship. And then, of course, the the debut album as well, with that iconic design. That was that was with Ben Kelly, wasn't it? I mean, yes, th- th- there can be few albums, few debut albums that just smash the artwork out of the park from day one i i often said actually that i think that record sold more albums for the sleeve than it did for the musical contents to be honest um the only downside was of course that um it was the beginning of my uh long not love affair with two words packaging deduction um the record company is delighted in taking money off us because we were asking them to do something slightly unusual and i'm sure they were deducting way more than it actually cost to punch those holes in it but um yeah i mean i my mind was scrambled the first time i saw that sleeve i couldn't believe just how stunning it was and i believe that peter actually spoke to ben kelly about it and and, and said have you got any suggestions i want to do a kind of high-tech sleeve and I, I believe the story is that Ben said, 
yeah, go down to Covent Garden and have a look at the front door of this shop that I've just designed. And there was the lozenge grill. <laughs> so were there any other ideas knocking around or was it just a case of here is the design and it just it just felt right straight away? That was it. No, that, that was that was the first design I saw and it was it was you know there was no no need to think about an alternative it was so so good and i mean the also the combination of that kind of fluorescent orange and bright turquoise was just really played with your eyes i love the fact that it was just a little sticker on it that was that was the information about the name of the the album um and then we 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 of course we did um we did a few variations we did black and pink and gray and orange and and then eventually when we got fed up of the packaging deductions we did a less than beautiful very flat not not cut out sleeve which um i wasn't in love with but yeah we we paid the price of a beautiful sleeve but it was worth paying it was it was a stunning sleeve then you followed up the the end of that the same year so two albums in one year with organization which was in a way a complete contrast i mean musically but also from a design perspective so where you where you'd had those fluorescent colors and cutouts and it was very graphic you went to very monotonal and photographic can you remember how that came about i think I mean, obviously, we were buzzing. You know, we we made an album. We'd had a hit. The first album had gone gold, even though it never got higher than twenty seven in the charts. So we were straight back in to the studio to start recording. We were brimful of ideas, and it, they were just pouring out of us. In fact, we already had Enola Gay, and we were playing it on the first album tour. It just hadn't been recorded. Um, but the album had a completely different feel. The first album was kind of like garage synth punk and all the songs we've been writing between the ages of 16 and 19 the second album i think was sure was influenced by the kind of melancholy and darkness of of, of joy division and playing with joy division on factory records gigs so i think that was really um that that definitely was 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 part of the the, the conscious and unconscious move. And I think Peter fed into that. Peter could feel the melancholy and the darkness and just went straight to uh, a photo library and, and, and got that picture of um, the river on the island of Skye. Um, I think he felt that the... Because Enola Gay, of course, had a sky as well. Uh, I think he felt that the, the, the way the photograph reproduced wasn't as strong as he'd hoped it was it was even darker than he he wanted a bit more contrast in it but mm. it was um it kind of it, ca it captured the mood of the contents very very well and um i was surprised a few years ago um a, a, a big omd fan from new zealand came all the way over from new zealand to go to the island of sky and found the spot where that photograph was taken took another photograph numbered all the rocks in the river <laughs> and made a list of and, and made a list of which ones had moved and which ones hadn't <laughs> And then things 
got a bit more creative again in terms of cutouts and uh, angles and more sort of traditional graphic design with uh, the the third album Architecture and Morality which was with Peter again obviously but with Brett Wickens and I think Robin Roddy did the photography can you can you remember because obviously the title came from the book didn't it the but the David Wadkin book yeah what about the design for that? Because there were various well, versions of that, weren't there as well? The, the, the title came from Martha Ladley, from, who was in Martha and the Muffins. She she suggested architecture and morality. Um, I can't remember whether she said it was, she saw it as a metaphor for our music, but it subsequently became that because our sound was a combination of the, the electronics and the humanity. Yeah. Um, I had I, I did read the book. It was quite um, quite heavy going at the time, um, and 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 some of the premises and things that that Watkins says in it, I'm not not sure I adhere to, but still. Um, but yeah, it, it gave Peter obviously the opportunity to to really um, get stuck into his kind of early twentieth century kind of um, Bauhaus styling and and and. and uh, I think it was uh, it was it was just beautiful in its minimality and the cutout again, so you could see the the shadowed architecture on the inside, um, and that incredible just cream sleeve, and using the type and a red bar, just you know, so minimal but so strong. Mm. And of course, I got, what did we go and do? We did a, a blue one and a green one as well um, in very soft pastel colours, and they were an incredible sort of triptych of, of, of gorgeous sleeves and um we were you know the the, the, the crazy thing is which I, I haven't mentioned to you is after we had left factory records and factory kind of basically sold us to dindis in a profit which actually peter told me was intended to always be the factory records business model find a local band develop it sell it take the money reinvest after we left all the other bands stayed at factory um, but we got signed to Dindis Records, which is a new subsidiary of Virgin. We walked into their office, which was just up Portobello Road from Vernon Yard, where the main Virgin building was. And there was Peter Savile. And we were like, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing? We said, well, we've just signed to this label. He went, oh, great. I've just become the artistic director. So completely without knowing, we both ended up at the same label. That was just wonderful. So we continued to have our relationship with Peter. Right. And... Um, yeah, I mean, again, he 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 made such a such an iconic and yet incredibly minimal sleeve. I mean, the first album was so loud. This was just really, you know, this was just about placing a photograph and a couple of lines of type and a red bar, and it just works so well. So going on from the kind of um, minimal calmness of that sleeve, we get on to Dazzle Ships, which kind of a cast of thousands worked on the sleeve for that. You've got Malcolm Garrett, Ken Kennedy, Phil Pennington, Brett Wickens, and Peter Savile, all of whom are referencing the Edward Wadsworth Dazzle Ships in Dry Dock at Liverpool. 
Um, can you remember that? Because I've, I've got a, a quote from from Peter here who says uh, that he found the cover very difficult at the time. He said he's not the best person to do cam camouflage because he's too reductive. Every time I tried, there was nothing left by the end of the day. I ended up giving it to Malcolm Garrett and saying, could you do it again? Because there's no camouflage left. I've taken it all away. So it's kind of <laughs> the extreme That's amount of minimalism. That's exactly <laughs> what happened, Andrew. Um the funny thing is, of course, that the and I don't know whether you know this is this. I've I've joked with Peter that this was a classic case of the tail wagging the dog. Peter came to me and said, "I have seen a Vortisys painting of Dazzle Ships in Liverpool Dry Dock. I want to do a Vortisys Dazzle sleeve. Can you write a song called Dazzle Ships so I can do this artwork?" So. It was Peter gave me this title and I created the, uh, with Paul, I created the kind of found sounds collage of the title track with all the weird nautical sounds and radar, uh, uh, sonar and, 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 and ship sounds. And um, yeah, Peter, the problem was Peter was always, Peter always worked up to the wire and delivered things usually late. You were always waiting for Peter to deliver. Because he'd come up with the title first before I even wrote the, the before we even wrote the music, um, he had too long, and so that exactly what happened is he started reducing and reducing. And I, I remember, I remember seeing the sleeve a few days before it was supposed to be delivered, and it was. <laughs> It was far too minimal. It looked like a bad 12-inch single. It was just, as I recall, it was like pale grey and some green stretched out, you know, lozenges. Not, not lozenges, uh, sort of trapezoids. Anyway, what well, the word I'm looking for? Anyway, it, it wasn't working. And absolutely, yeah, he went He went and asked Malcolm, who, of course, I think he'd been to college with, and they were good friends. Yeah. He said, can you undo my reduction here and go back? to something and I think, I think Malcolm basically kind of looked at some of Peter's um, earlier work and said well you know we need to go back to this this was much better this was much more interesting mm. and um, and the artwork we, and a gatefold with cutouts <laughs> another packaging deduction <laughs> but the um, the sleeve was great I mean the interior of the sleeve was wonderful with the with, with with the way that when you when you pulled the inner liner out, it dragged across the the holes on there, and and, and the 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 time zones graphic, and um, yeah, I mean it, it's another iconic sleeve. I mean, I mean to be honest, three of the first four albums were in unbelievable sleeves. You know, mm. I, th I think I think organization was okay, but the other three were just absolutely top quality sleeves, and. and um, and we used, um, we got, uh, oh, you, you mentioned his name. Who was it? What, the other person? Not Ben, not, um, not uh, Brett. Who was the other person who worked with Richard, you, was it? Uh, we've got Brett Wickens, Phil, Phil Pennington and Ken Kennedy. Ken Kennedy. Ken Kennedy helped Peter design a stage set that was a dazzle ship stage set. I mean, if you ever find a picture of it online, yeah. it looked incredible. It looked like Russian constructivist ballet from <laughs> the 1920s. And it had bits that moved and flashing lights and fl semaphore flags going up and down. And, um, and, and we, we, we did, we did uh, time zones with just colored, colored lights going across the, 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 the world map that was copied from 
the sleeve, the album sleeve, um, in, in a sleeve. It was a stunning, stunning piece of architecture that the stage set. I love that kind of um, commitment to the creative side of it as well, because often, you know, you have a great album with a really crappy sleeve or you can have a really brilliant design with a really crappy album. But I felt like you always got that balance right. There was that commitment to the visuals and to the music as well. And they, and they, they seem to work together so complementary as well. I suppose that's, did Peter almost feel like a member of the band in that way? Well, yeah, I mean, Peter said to me on more than one occasion that he really enjoyed working with me because I, I could speak the same language because I had, you know, I was studying art. I'd done a foundation course. I, when he referenced something, I knew what he was talking about. You know, when he said vorticism, I went, oh, OK. Um, I, I must admit, I hadn't heard of a dazzle ship. That was a revelation. But um, I knew the vorticist painters. And I mean, effectively, for the, those who may not know, it, it was effectively British futurism. And, and, and I just, um, it was an absolute delight working with Peter. It, we were absolutely blessed to have him, um, have him working with us. And then for the next album, for Junk Culture, Peter took another radical change in direction with that. So it's a very dark album sleeve, but it's it's very photographic and organic, um, you know, moving away from the sort of sharp angles and lines of Dazzle Ship. It suddenly becomes very soft and almost romantic. Can you tell me a bit about that design and how that came? Yes, again, because, because I'm involved in the design process, uh, talking with Peter and, and, and working through it, I remember exactly what happened. First of all, um, we decided we got fed up being the boring bank clerks. We were fed up of being thin ties and shirts and jackets. We, we wanted, we, and we were fed up of people going, "Oh, you know, you you're so boring. Why don't you dress new romantic like Boy George and Duran <laughs> Duran?" So in 1984, Peter introduced us to a designer in London called Scott Crowler. Oh yeah, so and if you if you see the clothes we were wearing, you know, it, I mean, it was designed to clash. It was like your granny's chintz curtain and tartan trousers, and you know, just amazing, amazing bright colours. And people were like, "What the? F have this? They've gone from saying that what the clothes they wear are not a statement to being absolutely bonkers." And so Peter said, "Why don't we do a sleeve where you're wearing this crazy stuff, and I'll get Trevor Key to shoot you." in the Brighton Pavilion, which is bonkers as well. And it'll just, the whole thing will just be completely over the top fabrics and patterns and just, woo <laughs> Well, uh, the trouble was because we were wearing this crazy Cro Scott Crowler stuff, we just kind of blended into the crazy background and the photographs just didn't look strong enough to be a sleeve. It was, right. They were just they were just busy, but it was just like whoa over the top. So we then went to do a second, as I recall, went to do a second photo shoot, and we were going to stand behind this glass screen that had these plastic flowers stuck on it. So we were just going to use the flowers to kind of break up a photograph of us. Right, and those didn't work either. <laughs> but Trevor had taken a couple of shots of just the flowers against the glass and the black background on it. <laughs> and after after a period of not knowing what the hell to do for the sleeve, and that does well, we just went. Well, actually, the flowers look quite nice. Let's just use them. <laughs> mm. 
So then moving, moving on, you you literally uh, appropriated the work of Edward Hopper, didn't you, for the cover of Crush? That was, uh, for, yeah, so the, the, the Nighthawks photograph from 1942, Nighthawk, painting rather from 1942. That was the inspiration for Crush. Yeah, the idea was basically that if you, if you looked at the Nighthawks painting and then if you panned across beyond the frame to the left-hand side, that there were more buildings than a car, and and Paul and I and and I were in the windows, and so yeah, it, effectively we were kind of trying to create um, a Hopper painting that was that was to the left of the Nighthawks picture. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, and I suspect it was because I was just very very busy, and we didn't work with Peter on this. I don't remember a lot of the conversations that went into. The making of that sleeve. Um, yeah, it was done by Excel, wasn't it? Which was Tom Watkins' design company that had done all the Z. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why we didn't. I don't. I don't remember why we didn't work with Peter. And I, maybe I need to need to speak to him and say, why did we stop working with you? I think maybe he got busy with factory. He he was no longer he was no longer employed. Well, D Dindisk folded in uh, after Architectural Morality. So um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Virgin wanted us to, because we by that stage we were trying to break the American market, and maybe they thought a, a, a more American image might might help us be appropriate. I can't remember the I can't remember the discussions and the thought processes, but yeah, the sleeve is the sleeve is okay. The person who did the painting did an amazing job. Mm. Of recreating the, the the Hopper style, absolutely. Uh, no, the painting itself was wonderful. I just didn't think the sleeve concept really worked in the end. It certainly doesn't seem to connect with the title Crush, or or is it the idea that the people in the car are, are kind of a couple who've got a no, no. I mean, I mean, I don't even know where the title came from from Crush and why I stuck it on the song with all the Japanese samples. Um, <laughs> Now, you know, sometimes the creative process, you know, you after the event when people say, well, explain this to me, and you feel obliged to kind of come up with some kind of like postpartum bollocks yeah. about all the, all the thought processes that went into it. And the reality is, duh, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> so that, that kind of painting style went a sort of completely different direction again with the cover of the Pacific Age by Mick Haggerty in 1986. So you went very kind of from from Edward Hopper's kind of you know beautiful stylings to something much more rougher and um, yeah, it's much, it's much more rougher design treatment. Yeah, I mean it was almost like a kind of a quick liner type print, wasn't it? You know, with just yeah. a series of colours stamped on. It was Mick's idea. I think maybe he just thought he wanted something that kind of captured images from the Pacific, like a bursting sun, maybe sort of faces that kind of hinted at the um, the Moai statues from, from Rapa Nui, Easter Island. Yes. Um, 
yeah, I mean, what did Mick tell you about the creation and where he got the inspiration from? He said, so to, to quote Mick directly, he said, when OMD contacted me, I was going to say no. Uh, how crazy could I be? Would, it, would I have to be to go anywhere near the amazing Peter Saville? So he was quite daunted by following on from Peter Saville. Uh, he just returned from travelling around the Bayer uh, Peninsula, taking pictures of and making woodcuts. And then when the band told him the, the title... Uh, was based on the concept of Northern European age was closing and the countries of the Far East and the South were waking up. He realised that all he had to do was clear off his deck, start wood cutting and getting his lino out and printing. In retrospect, I love the synchronicity that produced these images and the clash of the handmade quality makes the beautiful cerebral coolness of their previous covers. So he 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 likes the design still. I think, I think it stands up, doesn't it? I think it. No, I I I think it works. And in fact, actually, a few years ago when we were on tour with Ben Naked Ladies, um, an OMD fan gave me a denim jacket with that on the back of it, and I've still got it. It looks amazing. So um, yeah, no, I I, th I think it was a visually stronger one than the, than than the crush sleeve. I think yeah. I think it I think it's. Um, I think it's fine. I think, sadly, my impression of the album is coloured by the fact that I don't think the quality of the music contained in the sleeve was up to standard. We just didn't have enough time. Mm. Um, we were touring round and round America, trying to break America, and as Paul, Paul always likes to say, America broke us. <laughs> we were spending so much money, losing so much money in tour support, um, and then we get home and our manager would go, you're skint, you need the advance, you need to deliver an album tomorrow. Mm. And literally, you know, four or five weeks, the first nine or ten things we wrote were the album, for good or bad. And, and there are things on that album which would not be there had we had more time to, to be better editing and come up with other ideas. So I, I try not to let the content affect the, the way I, I, I think about the image, but <laughs> it does. But it's a strong, it's a, it's a very strong visual sleeve. I mean... You see that sleeve, you know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It shouts at you across the room. You know? And again, jumping five years onto the album that followed it, Sugar Tax in 91, another kind of radical change in direction. So you go back to photography and very, very kind of restrained graphic design by by Richard Smith at Area with using Trevor Key's photography. Yes, again, um, I think um, Rich, Richard and Cara had, had worked for Peter and then decided to go independent. Um, and I have no idea why they came up with this idea of the running oil, the black oil running down the sleeve. Um, but you know the typeface with that kind of crisp um kind of yellow and blue and the 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 running oil um it's a great sleeve mm -hmm. i mean it really is a great sleeve um i don't, don't think it reflected the bright kind of techno pop that was inside to be honest <laughs> um but I love that sleeve. It was a great photograph. And of course, you know, Trevor isn't with us anymore, taken no. far too young. Yeah. Um, Richard Smith talked about the design of it when, when I did an interview with him for Classic Pop, because I, I asked him where that had come from, that image. Mm -hmm. He mentioned it was um, 
connected to some uh, an invitation he created for an art exhibition with it. And I think it might be Richard Wilson's 2050 uh, piece, you know, the big oil installation that's at the Saatchi Gallery. Have you seen that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I love that. That was that was one of the, the greatest installation pieces I'd ever seen in my life. Mm. It was just, it was transfixing. Just that yeah. glassy black stillness, like sort of, a solid block of obsidian, but you knew it was liquid. It was, yeah, yeah no, stunning, stunning piece of work. And, and, um, oh, okay. So Richard was recycling something else. I'll have a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Peter Savile though, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? It's a great sleeve. It's a really great sleeve. And then you carried on working with Richard and Ankara area for the follow-up for Liberator in 1993 with the Stefan Sedanui, is that how you pronounce his name? Which was a bit controversial, I believe, Andy, at the time. Yeah, um, I wanted to do something that was kind of like, you know, not just graphic. Again, like 1984, when we just went, it, we're going to break all of our own rules. Um, I decided that I wanted something that was um, radically different. And I'd seen Stefan's work and I loved it. And I just thought well, it'd be great to get this kind of collage of this amazing girl uh, and build a sleeve out of it. But of course, what we hadn't bargained for was that the way the light would catch the sequins on her body stocking, that a lot of people thought they could see pubic hair. And, uh, and and also a lot of people just absolutely fucking hated the sleeve because they were like, this is not an OMT sleeve. What the <laughs> f*** are you doing? It was, a, I mean, a, an amazing bright sleeve. I mean, incredible photographs. And the way they were cut together, I mean, it, it was an incredible kind of tiled collage. Um, probably ended up saying, you know, suggesting that the, the music inside was a bit was a bit chopped up and collaged too actually richard said that the original design ended up getting banned as well because it was it was based on the the stefan's shoot for, for the face magazine wasn't it that was that was where the original idea had come from yeah that's right that's right um yeah i, I think the first one was deemed too e even more wrong and risky <laughs> and, and this this we, we were trying to dial it down by having her in a in a, in a sequence bodysuit but people still thought she was naked to Universal. So you're working with Richard again, but Peter Savile's involved, has got some sort of art direction role with that as well, with the, the sort of molecules. So. And I, th I, th I thought, I thought the idea made sense to have something that, you know, there's nothing more universal than a simple molecule. The problem with the sleeve was we couldn't get, as I recall, it was hard to get the, um, agree on arrangement you know once you start going well you could have them here you could have them like this you could have this arrangement you could have it's what paul and i now call the tyranny of choice it's like the, the more the more variants you give us the more confused we get and um i actually think it's a very very good sleeve 
I think, again, my feeling towards it is tempered by the fact that the album was so badly received. Walking on the Milky Way was one of the best songs I've ever written, and Radio 1 wouldn't play it because we were considered too old for the demographic, and because Radio 1 wouldn't play it, Woolworths wouldn't stock it. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, again, the sleeve is somewhat tainted by the lack of success of the album, Um it was frankly excruciating. I'd gone from being, you know, a priority act to an act that the record label knew was dying. They didn't want to spend the money. The the licensees, the Virgin licensees in, in Europe didn't want to pay the money to fly me in and put me in a hotel to do any work because they knew they weren't going to sell any records. Uh, so that was the album that basically made me decide I was going to stop. Um it's a it's a strong it's a strong sleeve. It is a very very strong sleeve. I actually think that probably one one of the other arrangements of the molecules was better. Now, I'd I'd love I'd love to see some of the other arrangements. <laughs> I'm sure Richard still got them all, but they were used, weren't they, across all the different singles? You used different kind of configurations across all. The <coughs> yeah, but that's true. That's true. to uh, 2010 with the uh, the comeback album, if we can call it that, History of Modern, in which you worked with Peter Saville again uh, and returned to a much more sort of forceful graphic identity, almost almost a bit dazzly, really, a bit dazzle ships in style. Um, is there a story behind that design? Yes. I mean, that was, uh, uh, you know, I asked Peter to, to get involved and, and to kind of, you know, executive producer as it were and and um and there you you know we go and get a a, a very um oh lordy what's the the dutch oh, my mind's gone blank the dutch art school that had that originally had uh van dusburg and mondrian and they fell out about whether like the style the steel the style yeah they fell out about whether you were allowed to have diagonal lines or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved the sleeve. I loved the arrangement. It was absolutely stunning and really bright and punchy. And um, and I think it really captured um, the, the album, the energy on the album. Um, unfortunately... It turns out that Mr. Savile had um, plagiarized uh, a Russian-American artist called Ilya Bolotowski. Did you know this? No, I didn't. No. And uh, Mr. Bolotowski's um, family realized that all he'd done basically was take one of his paintings and turn it on its side. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to pay a considerable fee. Oh, dear. I thought he'd have learned his lesson from the early days when he was um, taking ideas. Well, he, got, <laughs> he got clobbered for an Ultravox sleeve, didn't he? Yes, yeah, for Rage and Eden. <laughs> which, which was flagrant plagiarism. <laughs> I mean, that's, really, uh, how he thought he was going to get away with that, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, anyway, but, I mean, it was it was a return to pure graphic simple, and we were very happy about that. Oh. Uh-huh. 
八一七次航班从上海浦东前往澳门的旅客请注意，请前往一二二九号登机口登机，谢谢。So then we go on to English Electric, which sort of feels like all the other albums feel very, very different to what's gone before. But I think what what John Petch did. Oh no, it wasn't John Petch, was it? it was no, it wasn't Petch. It was Tom Skip <laughs> with Peter. There's, there's almost like a, a continuation of the design with the, with this, with the diagonal lines and the bright colours. Because the song was English Electric, and I came up with the idea because I, I saw it as a as a description for Orchestral Manoeuvres in the Dark, you know, we are an English electric band. Mm -hmm. But I remembered, I fell in love with a Deltic diesel engine when I was a child and I went to the Science Museum. Now, this thing was in the Science Museum and it was barely... 12 or 13 years old but it was this beautiful and you've got you've got to see this it, it didn't end up becoming part of the sleeve but it's a beautiful it's nanking pale blue with cream flares on the front and it's just it's the sexiest sexiest engine you'll ever see <laughs> when of course the deltics came out in bloody British Rail dark green. They would they would look like just horrible workhorses. But this thing was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And so I said, you know what I want? I want a sleeve that looks like the front of a shunting engine. You know those diagonal, the, the bright colours that basically just say, beware, I yeah. am moving and I can hurt you. I wanted it to look like the front of a shunting engine. So Tom did a few variations and I just said, okay. And I think I did some cutting up and I said, okay, this is the one I want. This is the one I want. I, I, I just want, I want this uh, simple kind of um, just diagonals. I want a, I want a big red triangle and I want what, and it, it, it was, it was black and white and red. I seem to recall. Um, yeah. And Peter kind of said, okay, if you look at the video for decimal, that was the original sleeve that was come up with a Tom Skip. That that looks like the front of a shunting engine. It's it's a lot more white on it. It's very minimal. Right. Peter went, that looks too much, too literal. It looks like the front of a shunting engine. You need to make it into art. So you need to put some different bright modern colors on it and maybe do a crossfade of one as well, just to kind of play with it a bit. So it was... Again, it was my idea to Tom. Tom did the original reduction, and then, and then, amazingly, Peter, instead of reducing something, actually added towards it and, and gave it in the right hand corner. Gave it that kind of the the, the shading as well. You know, yeah, you know the. Um, so it just, um, yeah, it, it was all three of us working together. But that actually came from my idea. I, I said I wanted the front of a shunting engine because it's called English Electric. It's funny, actually, that you mentioned Peter's involvement there, because I always wondered about the yellow and black hazard stripe. It's very Hacienda, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Then we move on to John Petch's work for the the punishment of luxury, which is sort of pulling in is thematically is kind of connected with what's gone before. So you've got the kind of bright colours and the stripes and things. But John has his his own style, doesn't he? He's got an incredible graphic sensibility himself. So mm -hmm. you talk a bit about that sleeve for uh, punishment of luxury. Yeah, and and I mean John is a painter. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is the thing. He doesn't work on a computer. John is a painter. He 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 does he does simple cutouts of paper to begin with, and then he upscales it to a meter square. I bought a painting through um, Dot Art that's run by Lucy Byrne. Yeah, and I went to an art exhibition and I discovered John Petch's work, and I just I loved the way that he would take familiar Liverpool city centre landscapes and reduce them to this minimal set of lines and and, and, and flat colour planes. Yeah, I loved his work. And so I said to Lucy, I would like John Petch to design us a sleeve. And she went, oh, great. You know, yeah, I'm sure he'd be delighted. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a meeting, talked about it all, talked about, you know, the reduction of um, architectural imagery into just lines of colour and plane and planes. And I completely forgot about our first meeting. And I got a phone call from Lucy going, are you coming? And I went, Oh shit! I'm so sorry. I forgot we were having a meeting today. Ah, no, I'm busy doing something else. Anyway, she and John were not available for another four weeks. In which time, John decided he didn't like the idea he'd had, <laughs> and he actually took two faces that he'd sort of created himself uh, on other works, flipped them around so they're back to back, and had this incredible just not what we were expecting at all i had no idea that this was what he was going to do i walked into the rescheduled meeting four weeks later and he just showed me this and i just went shit that's amazing i was absolutely not what i had anticipated um i thought god everybody's going to think it's andy and paul which one's which I just, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. The original, I actually have the original painting in the room right behind me now. That's the original paint. That's a painting. And it was photographed and reduced down to the sleeve. The only difference between that and the sleeve is, see that little red line there? (laughs) Uh, I asked for that to be taken out. That was bugging me. Um, So I was, I was, was, it was not what I was anticipating John doing. Um, but as soon as I saw it, I just went, bang, that is it. I am having that all day long. And it was, and I have to say, he did an incredible series of variations for the single sleeves of different faces. Yes. John, um, yeah, it, it was it was an amazing, amazing series of sleeves. And, and although it was completely different, it sat next to English Electric and just looked like, wow. It looks like it belongs near there, you know. And I guess some of the colours resonated with the English electric colours, so it was it was really great. I was so so pleased that I met John, and he's such a lovely guy. But it even worked when it was simplified down to just when you released the um, the box set with this the, the prints and the, the just the silver versions. It looks beautiful just down as as a flat silver as well, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Really, so there was really there was no talk of referencing the original Punishment of Lust painting by Giovanni Sagantini then that that was never on the cards. No, because essentially I had pro- appropriated the 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 title. Mm. Um, I mean, you you know Sagantini's painting? 
Yeah, I do. I'm, I, I go to the Walker a lot, so it's, that's one I'm very familiar with. Anyway, yeah, so I love that painting. But of course, it's it's a it's a misogynist painting. It's painted by a guy who had issues with women, I think, because his mother died when he was young, and his father gave him to his aunt to look after, and 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 he just he grew he grew up feeling very well, I suppose not unusual for the Victorian era, but he grew up thinking that you know a woman's place was in the kitchen or in the bedroom. And, you know, women women who wanted something more out of life than just being a chattel or a mother um, were bad mothers. And that's effectively the punishment of lust is bad mothers floating in purgatory. Now, it's a stunning painting. And the, the application of the paint in that alpine scene with those twisted, uh, twisted trees. And, and yet you look at these women with their red hair floating and, and you think, well, if that's purgatory, it doesn't look too bad, actually, does it? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, th these are bad mothers in purgatory waiting for forgiveness from their husbands and their children because they <laughs> wanted something other than serv servitude. Um, so yeah, I appropriated the title because, as you, yes, as you know, originally it was punishment of lust and the, the sort of squeamish Victorians decided that uh, they would change it to luxury. Mm. which suited me because punishment of luxury then as as a metaphor for the pain we're all suffering because we only think we need things now because some king advertising agencies told us we need it you know <laughs> bring us right up to date you've done something similar again haven't you with the sort of appropriation because the Bauhaus stairway painting by Oscar Schlemmer you've called the album Bauhaus staircase was that a deliberate little twist on words again it just felt better staircase rather than stairway it just did felt better in my mouth and I actually actually when it comes down to it to me I mean the paint the Schlemmer painting is great the Lichtenstein pop art copy is even better have you seen that mm. yes yeah I have. yeah i mean i think that's that, that that's a stunning painting mm. um but again because roy you know pared it down reduced it down to just flat planes of color obviously the song isn't really about bauhaus even though i referenced the painting title uh schlemmer's triadic ballet costumes which have you ever seen them in the flesh in stuttgart no no i haven't Oh my God, if you ever go to Stuttgart, go to the art museum and go to the room that has those costumes. I mean, over 110 years since they were designed, I think, they still look unbelievable. They're still the most, I mean, obviously, New Order kind of used them in one of their videos, didn't they? That was done by the French people that kind of, they, they looked like they were wearing the, the, the costumes. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, but yes, and also I, 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 and everybody's gone. Oh yes, and you, and you referenced Joseph Albers. I went, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. So no, I said Albers, plural. Joseph and Annie, non-gender specific. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor for the power of art. I mean, unsurprisingly, the Bauhaus was shut down by the Nazis because totalitarian regimes are frightened of art. Yeah, they don't get it. And it can it, they they think they're being judged, so they they want everybody to to do paintings that fit 
their, their agenda. So you get, you know, you get fascist art, you get, which I want to kick down, obviously. You get, <laughs> um, you get, you know, Stalin art and you get Mao art. You know, yeah. it's, all, it's all for the political cause. You're not allowed to veer off the, uh, the message. Although having grown up a communist and loving <laughs> Chinese <laughs> propaganda, <laughs> you know, also so, I felt I felt in COVID that we, you know, art wasn't respected. I mean, our government furloughed everybody apart from the people in the creative industries, and I, I was furious about that. So it, it's really, you know, it, it's a metaphor for the um, for the power of art in the face of adversity. Now, John did a design. Is that the one that's because I've seen two different designs? There's the there's the double CD one. Is that John's design? The one that's actually a staircase, right? So, so there's the standard one, the black and grey with the red bar. Is that is that? Yeah. So so what happened was John John did this painting two years ago, and I loved it as a painting. I've got that here as well, but it's not hanging at the moment. I loved the painting. But I kept coming back to it going, is it working? There's something not quite working for me, but I don't know what it is. And then I actually put, did a screenshot of it, and I put History of Modern, English Electric, Punishment of Luxury, and John's painting next to each other. And I went, kind of John's painting looks like he's distilled the other three paintings into one. Yeah. And, this, and, the, and the color scheme is maybe too similar. And I was, but I was still going with it. And to, to be honest, actually, Paul still prefers John Petch's sleeve. I had some reservations, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Now, at the end of last year, the, the album was supposed to be out early this year, but Paul took so long to mix it that it's got delayed till now. We changed merchandise company, and we were planning to do a teaser T-shirt for Bauhaus Staircase. Right. And so this amazing... And I'm trying to remember the name of the person now. Is it Emily? But Emily at this new merchandise company did a, did some designs. And she just took the staircase, turned it on its side, put it on a grey background and said, how's this for a T-shirt? And I went, that's the sleeve. Oh, my God. Boom. So it, it, it was somebody from the merchandise company who just distilled the stairs. I mean, to be honest, I said to John, I said, I don't want a literal staircase. Please don't. But he did. It's a lovely painting. It's a stunning painting. And I'm so glad we can use it for the limited editions because it, it actually turned out to be a better sleeve than I thought it was going to be. I probably did John a disservice by not using it. But I just think it needed to be it needed to be different. And I think that the, the one we're using, that distillation, I mean, Peter himself was like, oh, it's, that's classic. He said that's a classic orchestra when he was in the dark sleeve, isn't it? It's, and it, it, he said it could be VU meters. It could be all sorts of things. You don't know what it is. It, it, it's multi-purpose. It's, you know, it's messing with your head. And, and you know, and, 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 the, and, and the, the, the tallest one has gone red. You know, is it, does it mean danger? Does it, it's just, I think the sleeve worked. And, and the actual sleeve, the 12-inch sleeve is, is, a, is matte paper. We turn the paper inside out. And the actual graphic design, the bars and the OMD are embossed. Oh, nice. Gloss. <laughs> embossed gloss on it just leaping out when the light catches it it's it's so good and it's so minimal and it's just so orchestral maneuvers in the dark you, you've talked in some interviews about this potentially being the last album as well so it, it feels to me there's almost a circularity in terms of the design because if you look back i don't know if you've realized this but if you look back at that very very first poster 
that you did feel um i think it was i think you were just playing around with ideas it's in the book anyway on page 70 mm-hmm. it's got the same shape on it the staircase black with the red shapes behind it no actually you know what I hadn't sussed that. Now you point it out. Maybe that's why it resonated with me. Mm. I had, um, I've looked actually recently, for some reason, I I went through my old uh, workbooks from my um, foundation year. And I had, I had a soft spot for two things. I had a soft spot for Mesolithic stone monuments late Mesolithic stone monuments, like Stonehenge and things like that, right? But I also had a thing about old, very, very old industrial machinery, particularly early steam engines, like beam engines, like Newcomen and and, and Watt engines, Mm -hmm. because the wood and the metal just go black. They're totally black. And... When I was at art college, I, I I didn't want to learn how to do etching and enameling and pottery. I wanted to climb over into the tip behind the wall of the art college, throw things over the wall, nail them together and paint them black. And somewhere in, I think somewhere in our book, there's a picture of me with my afro standing against a giant black sculpture, yeah. which yeah. again, again, references that. So I was combining this kind of like black in machinery with standings with monolithic standing stones that that was i was i was pulling these two things together nobody has pointed out to me duh until you did thank you and it resonates with my own fucking art from when i was a teenager <laughs> duh okay well there you go thank you the circle is complete it is indeed yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Well, listen, I better go and talk to the Dutch. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye, Andy. Bye.